Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast where our goal is to make politics more accessible and less intimidating. The show features an interview with an expert in the political field, walking us through the many cues we have about politics, civics, government, and more. By providing civic education in the places we are, on our phones, and in the language we speak. And yes, we know we say like a lot. It's kind of the point, because politics needed a rebrand. Welcome back to Girl on the Gov, the podcast. Happy Wednesday. We have a really, really, I think, fun episode for everybody today. So fun. And like, I genuinely... think one that's very interesting for everyone. Oh, totally. It's like the behind the scenes dream. I which, love it. Speaking of which, we actually, with our guest, Emily, we did a behind the scenes Instagram feature as well. So mm-hmm. Do a little scroll. Make sure you're following at Girl on the Gov and check out her behind the scenes feature. And then also, obviously, continue listening to this episode where mm-hmm. we interview our friend Emily, who's a White House correspondent, on what that actually means and what the behind the scenes tea looks like in and the press tea. room. It's, it's tea. tea. It's and so it's nice. definitely all the dynamics I've like always been so curious mm-hmm. about. So I think you guys will will love it. But unfortunately, Wait, Sorry, before we get into bad news bears, I literally just like hold my hand in the air at all times. Like, it's just like, it's like, you know how some people have dino arms? Yeah. I just have rogue hand in air. I'm always like, I don't know what to do with my hands, girly as well. Yeah. That's why I like having this. I'm just my little comfort blanket. I would hold mine, but you tell me. That I was just moving my mic too much. Well, so you're not allowed to hold your That's microphone. Fair. I think we've officially, officially nailed that down. Samantha has a sitting mic. I have one in my hands, which I think it's I think it's the best for for everyone involved. Agreed. It is. Yeah. And well, mostly another, I guess, plug everyone... to go watch on YouTube and go subscribe. Totally. Yeah. Because everyone and their mother <clears throat> has told me, like when we first got those mics, the in-hand mics, the vibrators. Like vibrators. Mm-hmm. And like all of my friends to this day are like, so like you guys like popping off the vibes for your episode today. And I'm like, <laughs> honestly, maybe you never know what happens around here. So yeah, honestly, mm-hmm. vibrator brands everywhere. Sponsor us, sponsor us. Side note to that. Sorry, really delaying this moment. I have seen so much sponsor, so much spawn con from vibrator brands, like across really? every niche. Samantha. Like I've seen like Annie Wu had like, does it like mm-hmm. Kate Galvin? A lot of influencers have stepped into the space. What the hell is her name? There's 
I can literally see her profile, whatever, but it's like everyone. And they can't burn her house. Spectrum. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting. Like they, if there's it's like anyone who talks about sex, any like sex positive influencer, they're like, oh my God, you, you're, you're 100%. a gal. They must be paying a pretty penny too. Cause I feel like. You should. I mean, they should be for sure. Mm-hmm. And all brands should be hint, hint, nod, nod. But I'm just saying like, it, it gives big budget. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. We love to see that for them. We do. What we don't love to see is this news we have to get into. Yes. Some unfortunate news to kick off this episode, but it's something we obviously can't not talk about because there have been dozens of mass shootings in 2023 so far, just in this month of January. So there was actually a mass shooting near a youth center in Allentown, Pennsylvania. There's one at, at a Subway restaurant in Durham, North Carolina. Another took place behind a beer hall in Oklahoma City. Another at a strip club outside of Columbus, Ohio. Two mass shootings ended parties in different Florida cities. And that was just on New Year's Day. So, yeah, by the start of the fourth week in January, the tally had grown to include at least 39 separate shootings in which four or more people were injured or killed, according to the Gun Violence Archive, outlining a striking explosion of violence across a range of sites in nearly every corner of the nation that killed at least 69 people. And the deadliest shooting so far took place this last weekend in Monterey Park, California, a city with a thriving Asian American community where a gunman killed 11 people and wounded nine others inside a popular ballroom dance hall. The authorities said the gunman, who may have targeted his victims and who later killed himself, was a 72-year-old man. Then on Monday came another deadly mass shooting in California, a gunman who the authorities say was a 67-year-old man, killed seven people and seriously wounded at least one other person in Half Moon Bay, just south of San Francisco. The frequency of mass shootings and the variety of places in which they now take place, offices, schools, nail salons, houses of worship, grocery stores and restaurants, contributes to the sense prevalent across America that such gun violence could break out at any moment. Anywhere, it fuels calls for gun control, just as certainly as it does the purchase of more and more guns. Public shooting sprees rivet the nation, but can also have the effect of normalizing violence. Criminologists say the prevalence of mass shootings is brought about in part by the easy access to so many weapons, a unique feature of the United States, as well as by a copycat effect, aka the more we don't do anything about this the more it's going to happen, the more it has been happening. And I would just like, this is really the issue for me that just, I feel so helpless over like climate change, dark, scary, but I feel like we've made some strides and there's been, you know, some effort in policy and different things to combat it. But this issue is, I seriously see no like hope in sight. I see no light. I see no action from our leaders in this country. And it's just really disheartening to sit here and see all of this happening and like know that there's not going to be any leadership around it. Yeah. I think it's chilling. I think to one of the things that always gets poked at with this, which I'll say is honestly almost a daily occurrence because we're continually having mass casualty events. And even if they're not mass casualty, which means that they have to be more than four people, right? So the incident yesterday in Iowa where three people were killed doesn't count as a mass shooting. That's insane to me. But regardless, in terms of how these numbers go, is that we have more state laws coming into play. So for example, Illinois just passed a ban on assault weapons, which is fantastic. The problem though, is that 
if there are states next to it that allow for these guns, that not only allow for them to be sold, but don't have red flag laws, don't have all of these other protections, it really lessens the ability for the laws in the states that do have them to actually work. Because it means mm-hmm. someone can just hop over the border and drive to a state adjacent that has laxer laws, purchase the guns that they are intending to purchase and drive right over the line and proceed to carry out whatever violence they have on their mind. So this is why we get excited about state laws in the sense of, yes, they are steps in the right direction and state laws and local laws can make a difference. And I don't want anyone to think that they don't have an an ability to impact your surrounding area, but we need federal legislation. This needs to be something that happens Mm -hmm. across every single state that stops the ability from guns traveling across different states, from people that should not have firearms, specifically mass casualty firearms like assault weapons to be in the hands of anyone outside of quite honestly, like the military. There's to me, and that's what's so frustrating about also this continual gun debate is no one needs to have an assault weapon. I don't care what person that like enjoys going to, you know, go hunting thinks that using an assault weapon to shoot You're a, a pussy little... if you can't shoot a deer with a just regular gun. Why do you need an assault and weapon? And no skill. Absolutely yeah. no skill. No like, skill. It's, <clears throat> not to mention if anyone's looked at any of the reports of these really tragic mass casualty events with assault weapons, seeing that part of the way in which they doctors cannot save people is because the actual like bullets, amount of bullets. In, right in people yeah and destroy like the organs destroy the muscle tissue all these mm-hmm. different things so the defense of oh i'm using it to hunt xyz well what meter are you getting from that let me tell you what <laughs> Well, yeah, and then again, also you're like, it, but it's just the reality. Like that's not a hunting weapon. No, I don't also, care what anyone says. The argument around your Second Amendment to protect yourself from the government, the government will whoop your ass in five seconds. You know the, the kind of weapons we have in our government. You think your like couple assault weapons are going to do shit? Imagine, and it's just, just all of it doesn't make sense, especially given that we are living in this time now where this type of senseless violence is happening so regularly it's on the tops of everyone's mind everywhere they go and it's gotten so bad and the fact that it's like i would love like if everyone in a perfect world could like have their gun to protect themselves we don't live in that world it's it's we're way past that now and it's just so frustrating and sad and disappointing that like we are still in this place and again like i don't see the light as far as solutions i struggle to see it either and i think it also is one of those things where it's this gun issue is connected to so many other things in our society right now like rise in domestic violence the like Mm -hmm. issues of suicide right suicide kids bringing guns to school in general like Mm -hmm. they're this is so pervasive in so many ways. And the only thing that I think is going to actually stop this is federal legislation in conjunction with state legislation. But I also think like New Zealand, for example, they have a mass shooting and they ban assault weapons. Like there is such this issue in the US of this protection of guns over people and that somehow guns seem to be more valuable. I'm all for protecting oneself. I've been followed more times than I can count. I've almost been kidnapped twice. Like I literally, like I get it. But this is a small. She needs the protection. She's willing. She's willing. 
to hand over some protections for herself in order to protect the greater good. Because at the end of the day, these guns are more often killing us than protecting us. And totally that's, that's, and you know, what actually proves that point is the fact that the hero that wrestled one of the guns away Mm. from the Monterey Park shooter. Yeah. He didn't have a gun. He didn't shoot the guy, the bad guy. No, he wrestled the gun out of him and disarmed him. That's the reality. Look at, look at you all day. Exactly. So, so yeah, it's long story short, this is just a fortunate pattern. And one more comparison before I say like what the action is in a sense is that like we have, we've seen so many problems pop up across our world, right? Like a chemical in a certain food that poisons us. And we decide we're going to ban that. That shouldn't be allowed. Let's see, we're driving and we're noticing that there's a lot of car deaths. We get seatbelts and airbags. Like Mm -hmm. We come up with solutions and we outlaw the things that put us in harm's way. And we will not get out of our own way and protect ourselves. Pillar. Yeah. In our country. Especially Um, young people. So it's just, yeah, it's sick. But yes, take action. There are things we can do. And I think as as helpless as we feel, it's important to not take your foot off the gas and make sure that we are continuing to take action even as we feel so helpless when these stories break. So we have the Senate switchboard number you can call to reach out to your senators and really all the senators if you want to tell them to take action on on gun reform. And the other thing I did want to say as well is that yesterday at the Golden Gate Bridge press conference, they had Mm. a little like press moment where some people asked questions and everyone there also who spoke talked about Monterey Park. This was right before the Half Moon Bay shooting and, you know, talking about supporting California through these hard times with the storms, with the guns and how President Biden is, you know, all for this assault weapons ban. I'm just also so on the page of like, I know executive orders aren't as powerful, but like, I'm just, I said this like, what, last year? I think it was when Uvalde happened. I was like, just do it and see what happens. See, I know he's probably going to get sued or whatever. It'll go to the courts, but do something, do something, make a stance. Like, and obviously like, these are the things that some do to a lot of red tape and legal shit sometimes can't actually come to fruition as far as like seeing the solution in action, but like do something executive order. So weapons ban, do it. Yeah. Speaking of which, just switching back to the Senate switchboard, which is 202-224-3121, is specifically ask for your representative to pass an assault weapons ban. The thing that works best here is to say something specific. So yeah. And don't also do not stop with your local and state reps as well. The more we can obviously like get these laws at every on every state level then, you know, that obviously does so much and helps so much. So also reach out to your reps there and continue, continue the fight. But moving on, I really wanted to get your thoughts on this little scenario. Mm. We talked about I had a feeling when I woke up this morning, I was like, Patty's totally going to bring this up. I know it. Well, yeah, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Democratic rep Ruben Gallego said he's running for the Senate in Arizona. We talked about this yesterday. But the DSCC 
has chimed in because basically his entrance into this Arizona race against Kirsten Cinema has like paralyzed Democratic leaders, apparently. And they, you know, aren't sure yet who they're going to support because Kirsten Cinema is the incumbent. She is now an independent, though, so she's not really a Democrat. So it's kind of like the answer is right there. She's not your Democratic candidate. But obviously, incumbents are easier to reelect sometimes. So whatever. But few Democrats told Punchbowl last night that they, whether they favor backing the eventual Democratic nominee or incumbent Senator Kirsten Cinema, who left the party in December, their responses were pretty consistent. It's too early to say. But the DSCC chair, Gary Peters, said, we haven't been thinking about that. That's down the road. Senator Cinema is a friend of mine, and I don't know if she's planning on running or what her intentions are. I don't want to get out in front of what she wants to do. Okay. You're up, you're definitely thinking about it. You've That's been your thinking about job. it. It's your, your literal job, entire job. Like, this is going to be the I mean. biggest race. Like you're thinking, or at about least it. one of, at least one of. Yeah. That is for sure. I look. I, I don't. I don't blame them for their response. I don't. They're in a really tricky situation politically in this because it, it's a little bit. Of, it's either a win-win or a precedentist. In this design, you could have a Kirsten Cinema, a Ruben Gallo, and a Carrie Lake race. And it's becomes one of those scenarios of okay, well, who's gonna win? And I don't think they know who is going to win that yet. And I don't think they want to speak out of turn with that. And I don't disagree with them. I do, I do think that they are better off seeing these cards unfold a little bit. And then jumping in, I think they probably have an idea as to what their plan is in both directions. Like if Kirsten Cinema says, yes, I'm running again for Senate, yeah, I guarantee know. you they already know what mm-hmm. their plan is. But in not showing their cards, I think they're smart in this. I really do. I, do I think it's a little annoying as someone that wants to know everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. But I think I think it's a smart I'm just move. like they're, They could have said it said that without saying, we're not thinking about that. Yes, you are. Because obviously we know you are. <laughs> Just like, mix that part entire at thing least is out of fundraising the for Senate races. Like that's the whole yeah. shtick. Yeah. But I, yeah, I think, yeah, they could have been a little more transparent. It's going to be so that. interesting to see where they go on this because it's one of those classic examples of like the establishment Democratic Party or like both parties, just how they function. You know, the fact that they would go with cinema potentially over like, Ruben look- because he's also like, Democratic he's pretty progressive. He's young. Like he's not as establishment. And so the fact that like, but because cinema is establishment, they would go with her even though she's now independent. It's just like so classic. But here's the thing is it's not that out of whack with them. Like think about like Bernie Sanders, who is like consistently yeah. like always caucuses with the Dems. And then like also then campaigns for Democrats. And then you have like Angus King in Maine, who's kind of like a Sim- similar but different type of independent from Kirsten Cinema in the sense that there are large areas of Maine that are pretty Republican. And that sort of element undertone definitely sets the stage for certain things. Like, yeah. And Arizona's I, been such a mixed bag as far as like where are they going to land? So it's going to be a tricky one for so tricky to, to figure out I, who to back. Look, I don't think they're going to say anything until Cinema drops whatever her bomb is. And I think they're smart for that. 
Yeah. And I wonder if they're going to have any sway over what she decides. And they're going to be like, listen, we can't have you jump ship yet. Like we, but she doesn't seem like someone that takes like advice from anyone. But she loves attention. And if someone offers her something, she gonna take it. (laughs) That is definitely fair. I mean, we've seen that. I also in reading both Punchbowl's newsletter and the Hills newsletter talking about these bits this morning, it made me feel like there's definitely a piece of this puzzle that they know and we don't. Always, always. Which fair, always. But like, especially with the way that like Punchbowls was written, like maybe now like reread it. Like I got this feeling, like it was interesting. Like I know we have our theory of the presidential run, Mm -hmm. but the way it's written Again, I could be wrong and it also could be like their own bias, right? But like it gives to me this way of pointing it's a, definitely a Senate run, not a presidential. And they know Really? I kind of thought that's how I read the opposite. it. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I we'll think see. It, we will see. That is I for, think it's just, she's definitely those are her options and I think that's totally. She, that's not something the public technically knows that she's thinking about. It's everyone's theory. But I think behind closed doors, that is the two options that she's going in between. And I think even if even if she decides I'm going to run again as an independent this time for Senate, I think, and decides to skip the presidential for 2024, I think she'll put her hat in the ring in the next time too for president. For sure. She's definitely running for president at some point. I just don't know if it's this next moment, which I still think it is. I think it is. But I also think she'll, if it's not, it's happening. Her her switch was so baffling to me, just as far as like, you really did that. That's crazy. Because it's also just like she's been her and Manchin, you know, in that split Senate. We're just the center of attention always. You know, Democrats take a bigger control in 2022. She flips because, God forbid, she's, you know, part of the pack and doesn't get to, you know, get all that attention. And then on top of it, it's like that also would set her up for an independent run in a presidential election. So it's like she wants to stay in the spotlight for some reason. I think we know what that reason is. Totally. Also be curious to see what happens with Manchin. He like the the talk of the town right now is like, is he going to retire? Is John Tester Montana going to retire? I really hope John Tester doesn't because I'm kind of obsessed with him and he just he has like this like mullet vibe and I'm obsessed with it. So I do wonder what Manchin's going to do. He's been so quiet since the like the Senate has. Yeah, you know, they've had such different reactions. Yeah, but like this article and it was like talking about like whether he would run for president as part of like another party. Which I was like, hmm, oh. I definitely need to read this. Just out I of curiosity. I don't see as much energy around him. That no, like, I, I could honestly see him retiring, but like also given, like maybe he just wanted to go out on on a bang of having, you know, being the real. But I also don't know who. The real swing vote during that big him. legislative session. Um, well, no, some West Virginia. Like, I don't see. I'm going to have to do some West Virginia digging. And if you are one of our West Virginia listeners, let us know. I do know like at the state level, and I'm now blanking on the family name, there's like, there are a few families that are like, there's very top of the mound in West Virginia politically. And they all seem to always- I can see a John Fetterman type candidate coming out 
coming up I would love West that. Virginia. I think that would fit perfectly. So if there's but I just they, don't they know start if the doing that political recruiting. organization is so Yeah, like I don't know if there's someone who's already, you know, in the house or whatever, but I mean, it could be like a John Funderman type situation. It's fair. Anyways, Anyways, let's get into this this episode, shall we? We shall. Well, we kind of were like already like preemptively we did got a little, little intro. intro. So let's just get into it. Let's get into that White House correspondent tea. So without further ado, here's Emily. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. We're so excited to chat and for background for everyone, you are a White House correspondent. Can you tell us how you got into this role? I mean, this is literally like out of West Wing. So we got to know all the dates here. Totally. So basically, I've always wanted to be a broadcaster. We're, we're starting from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love always, it. Do it. Always wanted to be a broadcaster. My dad is a sports broadcaster. So I watched him growing up. And I, like ever since I can remember, since I was nine, that was what I wanted to do. So I did like some TV stuff in high school and then went to Syracuse University for college and majored in broadcast and digital journalism. Thought I wanted to do sports like my dad. And I worked for NFL Films a year after graduation, and I had an awesome experience there, had some success and loved it. And then COVID hit and everything changed. And I've always been really like socially conscious, I guess, or like like public policy, political science, politics. Like I've always been interested in that stuff just because like my family likes talking about that kind of thing. And when George Floyd was murdered... That was like a big game changer for me because I was like, I, there's totally something to be said for like entertaining people through sports. But for me personally, I did not feel fulfilled doing that. So Mm -hmm. decided to switch it up, went and got my master's in political science with the plan to go to law school. And I graduate in May from my political science program. Very excited. (laughs) And I'm taking my graduation pictures found this random media company and the person who was taking my pictures ended up being my like co-director for a program that we want run through the the White House situation which I can get into later but he has a whole media company and he was asking what I wanted to do with my life I was telling him and he literally offered me a job he's like oh my god that sounds perfect for what I do like I do politics and news and stuff like that and I actually work at the White House like I do journalism for for my company through the White House and you sound like you'd be a great fit like want to do it <laughs> it's like yeah sign me up right now like I'll drop everything I yeah. won't do anything this summer like so that it was just like fate I guess but yeah that's how I got into it and it's now been a while not a year yet but it's still yeah. kind of new but you are like in the heat of everything being yes. a White House correspondent would just be crazy on its own. But you're also the youngest White House correspondent, which is 
fucking sick first of all but what is that like i mean just some of the characters we know of that are in the press room pretty yeah. often like you're in there with the fox news and the cnn's of the world like tell us about this experience maybe even like first time you're in there versus like mm-hmm. now even totally totally so yeah it's crazy that i am so young i still feel like a kid being in there just because these people have had such expansive experience just in news in general and broadcasting but the first time I went in there I was it was a very slow day luckily it was a slow day in June and (laughs) I got like the full tour got to see the briefing room for the first time which was like oh my god that was just wild yeah there was no press briefing that day so luckily like not a lot of the correspondents were around because that really would have like sent me over the edge yeah you're like Um, one step at a time please (laughs) yeah literally but it was crazy meeting everybody I was like tiptoeing around but I got to meet like on that first day I did get to meet Caitlin Collins Kelly O'Donnell Peter Ducey might have been in and press secretary John Pierre's former chief of staff, I believe, was there. But it was mm-hmm. her literal last day. So That's I got so to, to meet her really quick. But now I don't know. It feels it's so bizarre to me that like it was just so normalized, like so quickly to go in there, really? which I never like obviously forget how lucky I am to be in there every day. But I don't know, just like walking through the gates is just kind of like. Yeah, yeah. through Secret Service. Like it's just, it just kind of is normal now. But it is still crazy to get to watch all of these like really accomplished people work to day to day and just observe them. Yeah, and be in the room with them. That's like just so cool. And Sam and I were just there and like just walked around the White House, and we were even like, oh my god. But I was like, what would it take to just walk through those those gates with Secret Service? Maddie was scheming. Oh, and I was like. I was going to say, she did flirt with a very particularly cute blonde one. If you're listening to this random Secret Service, FBI, Mm. whatever guy, you're at the front, you're blonde, and (laughs) Madison Blue Medved is interested. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Literally, the Secret Service that worked there, like, they're like the creme de la creme. They're just like Mm. the best. (laughs) Look, I swear they do it on purpose. They're like, no, yeah, we've seen intimidating. (laughs) Sam and I were talking about it, like all the TikToks where it's like people get videos of, you know, Joe Biden or whatever. And everyone in the comments are like, wait, that secret service guy though. Like, can we talk about that? Yeah. It's so funny. I like, especially like, because you can tell if the president's in like the Oval Office, if they're right when you walk in, there's like a double door situation and you can tell when the president's in because a marine is standing outside and like it's just so like they always pick like a really good looking marine to stand outside uh, that is like, what we call shit. marketing yeah. great yeah, marketing. literally yeah yeah the public they, facing yeah secret service totally. guys and they are really nice going through, i was like, like where are those guys are those guys on hinge or is there a special are they right yeah. like which dating app are they on you know definitely in dc Raya. they're like they they definitely think they have status, I feel like. For sure. <laughs> Love it. That is like literally, I just, I can't. But that is one of those things that is interesting too of like any place like you work or, you know, you go on a day-to-day basis, like it becomes normal to you. Yeah. Like yeah. even something you're like, oh my God, I would have been like starstruck like three months ago doing or seeing. And then like literally like a few months later, you're like, oh yeah, just part of part of my day, part of my week, whatever. Yeah. I feel like there's random things that like that's happened to us with too, where it's like a conversation and like maybe it's like the level that that person is at or something like that. And 
in that moment, it's like a little starstruck, like cannot believe we're talking with so-and-so. Yeah. And then a few months later, we're like, oh yeah, we're texting with them, blah, blah, blah. Don't yeah. even think like anything yeah. of it. It's yeah. so weird how life works with that. But It is. It is. Yeah, as long but- as like you don't forget like how lucky you are, like that's totally. like, I feel like then it's, then it's fine. Then let it be normalized because it makes it easier to, to do your job. So yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, we're going to dive into your experience further, but we do want to like kind of ask, get into our I have a stupid question segment, obviously, because that's a requirement on the show and to get into like just this role and press secretaries, especially around and in the White House. So to kick it off is what is the role of a White House press secretary? So the press secretary is basically the person who communicates with the media directly and basically speaks on behalf of the administration so that the people can get the information that they need. So yeah, she'll, she meets with the president and everybody throughout the administration is briefed on things herself on what's going on and then prepares that for the media and then lets the media ask away. And not to say that like, you can't ask the president questions himself or people in the administration, but it's just a more streamlined workflow, I guess, to have a dedicated person, obviously, to handle that. So that's basically what she does, which is pretty cool. Have all the bucketed answers for the Doug. I was going to say Doug Ducey, but it's Peter Ducey. I get him. Oh, my God. There's same realm, technically. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Are they related? I don't know. I'm just saying that'd be an interesting family tree. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Peter DC is the Fox News correspondent, everyone, just yes. in case you're curious. Biden and him have had some funny words together. Biden just oh, in yeah. his little clapbacks. Again, we'll get into that in a second. <laughs> I want to know any of your experience with that. But totally. <laughs> totally. But nonetheless, speaking of these press briefings, press secretary, how many reporters are allowed in these briefings? How does that work? So everybody... They distribute credentials day to day and also permanently. So I have a permanent press pass called a hard pass. Previously, when I before I went through that whole process, I filled out like I think it's like eight to 12 hours before you're going to be on campus that you're going to be there. So they kind of, I think, determine how many people like will fit in the West Wing on a certain day. And that's how they like do their credentialing. But that's more behind the scenes. So I'm more familiar with just like sitting in the briefing room. So on a busy briefing day, like every seat will be filled in the room and they're assigned seats. So each outlet has not every outlet, but like the big outlets have seats that are assigned to them. And Usually, like, we don't have one because we're a smaller media company online. But if no, if there's one open, I will definitely grab it because it's easier. Acoustically, it's weird. It's easier to hear if you're sitting because there's speakers, like, directly above each row. And the microphones, too. So you have microphones, like, in that space, like, where the seats are. And then, obviously, Korean has microphones as well. So it's a lot better if you're sitting down. But if there's people there that don't have seats, you can kind of, like, try and find a spot along the walls or in the back, but you don't want to block the cameras because they're in the back of the room. So it's not like a set number, but yeah, it's kind of tricky to navigate. Totally. Yeah, it is. And it's a little scary because you obviously don't want to get in the way of anybody or the photojournalists who are able to roam. Like they're, they're not like restricted to one spot, whereas the journalists oh, okay. are, but yeah, it's, it can get packed in there. It's a pretty small room, which was surprising to me when I first saw it, how small it actually is. So 
That is interesting. Like you would think that they would dedicate a larger space to that. Right. right. And it looks huge. I mean, like on TV. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that yeah. so wild. Because like you would think too, as news continues to evolve, and maybe this is something that catches up in a few years or something like that, or they get stuck in tradition. I don't know. But like the more online outlets that come about and the more that yeah. political influencers are a part of the scene and podcasters and all that, they're going to be more and more people that need to be at these totally. briefings or at least specific ones. So you would think they'd be like, mm, expansion plan. Yeah. But they probably like- po- probably also like limiting who gets to, you know, show up and knowing like what kind of questions are going to be asked from certain people and like, you know, how politics just loves the status quo of everything. But I was, I was also curious kind of along that same line, like, do you know how to get a temporary pass? Like, is that near impossible or like, how does that usually work? It's definitely not impossible. I never like personally did it. My boss slash co-director usually did that for me, but they have a form, but I don't know. Like anybody has to be able to access it because like we're supposed to have a free and fair mm-hmm. open media, everything like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Democracy. The people's house. <laughs> yes, the people's house. So you have to be able to have access to it. But yeah, I don't know how you get the form exactly. But there is a form mm-hmm. and like it's not like they'll I feel like they typically don't deny. Like if you have a good reason to be there, you're you're a legitimate like journalist, then yeah like i wonder if the form like is like sent to people to then fill out and then get approved or it's it's just like publicly available to fill the form out do you know that typically we request it so like at the beginning of each week because we have we have students that we have to do this for we teach like 10 students typically at the beginning of the week we'll email the press office the white house press office and say like hey can you send over the form for us for the week because it changes every week and they send it to us but we have to go looking for it so i guess that's how it works because also like the major outlets those people are permanently credentialed so they're not doing it so it is more for the like smaller media companies or people who are doing something special there that have to like go looking for it um yeah yeah. interesting all of like the ways in which maddie's going to try and get herself to this (laughs) hottie at the front gate this is, yeah, I was like, am I asking this question for our listeners or for us? <laughs> Honestly, both. both. It's a little okay. bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, that's going to be for our listeners, you know? Totally. So, totally. Mm, mm, I love this. all just wrapped in, in a nice yeah. package. It's, of course. Wow. Merry Christmas to everyone. us all. Yeah. Exactly. So generous. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Okay, I'm pretty well, selfless. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Okay. Well, next question is what does it mean for someone to be a part of the press pool? Like, what is that term? So, the press pool is it's actually funny because I made a video about this literally way back when because somebody asked me, like, what the purpose was. Oh, they asked me what the purpose was to have like a dedicated area for the press in the White House. They were like, that's weird. And that's why I make like TikToks and stuff because I want people to understand how this works like the white house situation and Mm -hmm. the press and everything like that so i did some digging and basically (laughs) the press pool is the group of reporters photojournalists that follow the president around literally everywhere he goes yeah they are constantly following him and they send updates to the rest of the media corps the press corps telling giving them updates on what he's doing like literally like 
POTUS got in the car. POTUS was wearing a blazer with a blue tie. The weather is beautiful like out. Somebody shouted. Yeah, literally paparazzi. So they, I don't know how you get in the press pool. Like they, like I wouldn't be in it. It's more like Bloomberg, CNN, Washington Post, like New York Times. Those big outlets will yeah. be in the press pool. And they rotate. I think it's either, yeah, they rotate daily, I believe. And the White House Correspondents Association creates those rotations, I believe, if not the White House press office. But the point of it is that as Americans who do live in a democracy, we need to know like what we have to have absolute transparency and know exactly what he's doing at all times, especially in an era where that is possible. Like we can't allow ourselves to not have that and it ties into like checks and balances like i like to think of it like obviously we have checks and balances throughout the three branches the fourth branch which is the people also has to kind of have a hand in that as well and be checking the rest of the the branches at the same time so that we're getting what we want for ourselves not to sound selfish or anything but (laughs) that is is the point of the press pool (laughs) and like also so lotus has press pool vice president like usually they'll send a pooler with one of the four like potus v potus lotus and second gentleman so Mm mm-hmm I love okay, all you the know acronyms. Who? I love Flotus. So just <laughs> I know, me too. Giving it's white so Lotus. cute. It's giving yeah. a whole moment. Also, I <laughs> have not watched White Lotus, so I'm so out of the social oh my pop God. culture vibe. I, I'll watch it at some point. I just am like, I'm so behind in the conversation that I just can't even start. I'm like, I'll watch yeah. this by myself after all of this Mishigas is done because I'm just like That's fair. That's but fair. I really feel like the Bidens, the second families, like any president – Oh, any president in like the last, I don't know, few terms has a lot in common with reality stars, like someone that is literally like on, I don't know, summer house, winter house, whatever the bachelor, they're just getting followed around with cameras all day. Yeah. And granted, very different context. But just that idea of almost like you stop even really seeing the cameras and, mm-hmm. you know, it's just sort of a part of your daily routine. I feel like they'd have so much to chat about. And then things get edited in certain ways and through certain POVs that are different than sometimes the reality. I'm it's just saying. Parallels, that is, yeah. Yeah. I'm it's bringing it together, true. guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know. Celebrity too. It's like, it's interesting. But yeah, yeah. it's interesting too, like how though that aspect is like vital to democracy you're like oh well, like that's kind of like existential yeah it's crazy um, which is cool but okay well moving forward what can you want us through what a typ- typical day is like Total as a correspondent day. i know everyone yes. can go check out our instagram with you where yes. you like literally <laughs> write it out for us and show us pictures but yeah can you kind of explain that typical day run through of like when you are reporting at the white house totally Yes. So uh, typically I'll get there at the White House pretty early. It depends on what's going on that day. So we get like from the White House press office, a daily guidance for the president and for like the four (laughs) people, the POTUS, all them. We get the guidance the day before and it tells us what 
he's going to be doing that day. So usually the plans are pretty last minute, but I typically get there pretty early. I'd say on average, like 8am, drop my stuff, go to Starbucks across the street because I obviously to live, obviously. Then I get back and I'll work on either editing my own writing or the students writing that I have, or I will be planning questions for the press briefing. If there's an event, I'll be at the event or I will be planning content for the day. I'd say the most like laborious thing to do would be writing the questions for the press briefing because nothing makes me panic more than like, it's weird for somebody who loves like public speaking, talking to people. I hate raising my hand. Like, mm, I don't know what same. it is. It's the worst. I so that's, that's like unfortunately a, a symptom of being a woman in society, but. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, that's like the most stressful thing that I do. Um, then after that, like I'll run and grab some lunch, film some standups, film content for TikTok. Sometimes I go live. One time I went live, like getting ready, putting my makeup on at the White House, which was kind of fun. I was like, I don't I wonder if that's so cool. Gone live on social media for a minute here. Yeah, that was really fun. Like get ready and with then, me at the White House. Are you joking? Yes. I love it. Genius. <laughs> and then I'm like, then I I so I start the live and I'm like panicked because I realized duh, people are gonna like walk through the kitchen right. I'm sitting in the kitchen like in the middle of everything. I'm like, people are gonna see me doing this and think that I'm a freak, but it's okay we move on it's okay and then after that go to lunch come back usually the press briefing is like mid-afternoon like two-ish and they'll call like a lunch lid so nothing will be happening during the lunch lid will be like except for everybody's supposed to go eat and like take a little break and then yeah so after the press briefing I'll take notes type up some like notes to myself like what I need to do, try and like plan out an article. And then typically I go home, edit a TikTok together, figure out like my posting plan for social, and then try and write an article that night. But (laughs) Andrew, my boss, like doesn't, he's like, we need an article from you. I'm like, but I like the TikTok stuff better. So yeah. (laughs) How do you decide what to cover? Because I'm sure like a press briefing has a lot of different things that are be sp- being spoken about, a lot of different topics. How do you yes. nail down that topic? So I will basically write a question for everything that's going on at that time. And then whatever gets answered, A, like I'll pick what I want to cover and put that as like my number one like question. But if I don't get called on or if like another question gets answered or a question that's similar to my first question gets answered, then I'll just go with that. So it kind of depends on like what's asked and what Korean answers and like how much I like the answer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, cause I want to like what I'm writing about, but if it's obviously really newsworthy, then I'll go with that. Like the day that way back when, when Brittany Griner was sentenced, I believe like that was what there was a, a few huge stories that day, but like I went with that one because I felt like it was focused on the most at the briefing. Um, So yeah, it really depends on how the briefing goes and what's going on that day. Totally. Also interesting. Well, back to the hand raising of it all. I know I don't want to trigger you, but tell us a little bit more just about how these briefings really function. And do you always get 
a chance to ask a question or is there kind of a like seniority in the room? Can you kind of like break that down of just the dynamics of being in there and how it all functions? Totally. And this is like what I find the most interesting about the briefing room, just because I never knew this before. And I feel like it's not really like talked about, but the front row of the briefing room is like CNN, Fox, NBC, Bloomberg, AP, maybe like one or two more, but they're like major networks. So usually the press secretary will defer the court the first question to AP because they're like literally just getting the news out. They're not like biased yeah. in which way. So they get the first question. I don't know how that was established like in the first place. Like I don't know when that became a thing. The press. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Take the title. Top of the alphabet too. And then after that, like Kareen will usually go like hit the first row first, but she does make a good effort to get to like the middle of, of the the seat. Eats and then the back I'd say she'll typically give like one to two questions to people in the back which in a 45 minute briefing like that's pretty good especially because people ask a lot of follow-ups which is also I didn't know that either like I thought you had one question that was your question but like I guess actually during COVID I kind of realized this because there was so much back and forth with Trump and all right. the reporters but yeah people will follow up for like a good five minutes sometimes so I do not get to ask questions every single time. It is really difficult when you're in the back, especially because from an, the administration standpoint, like they want the people who are going to get the most out to the most amount of people. And that's obviously going to be the first row. So yeah, but they are like, Korean makes it known that there is like a direct line of access to her if you have any issue like really pertinent question or something like that she'll say in a briefing like hey if you need me like my office is right there like you know you have our info so that's good that she does that I think just from like a transparency standpoint but yeah that's typically how it works it's kind of the shit show (laughs) everything's just really frenetic and crazy but it's wild wild that is crazy what is like The craziest thing that you've witnessed, has there been any like major drums that have gone down? Um, So, so far, I'd say nothing super out of the ordinary. I mean, she always, Korean, always kind of gets into it with Peter Ducey or the Fox correspondent, which makes sense because they're on opposite sides, obviously, politically. And she gets like kind of like noticeably frustrated, which... I mean, that's been every press secretary like on planet Earth. But I feel like either it was like a month ago or two months ago, there was this group of, I don't even know who they were working for, but I had never seen them before. There was like probably four or five of them. They had like a DSLR camera and they were just kind of like walking around. And one of, they were like older, like middle-aged men. And one of them sat like in a seat in the back row, kind of, probably like second to last row. And he's like basically like out of a seat, like raising his hand every single time, which you got to do what you got to do. But it's coming to like the last two questions of the briefing. And Kareen calls on somebody like she clearly called on somebody two rows in front of him, like kind of like in that line where he was. But it was obviously not to him. He just like starts talking over the person that she actually called on. And like she, she literally was like, 
like kind of like communicating with her eyes with the guy she actually called on she was like okay like go for it you go off dude she didn't like yellow um no i that's what i was surprised about because that's the thing i feel like with the press secretary right now i feel like she's still kind of new learning how to like handle the briefing room which totally is an insanely difficult job mm-hmm. but i feel like if it was jen saki she would have been like no like Shut not you <laughs> like yeah literally so i mean that's just a testament though as to like how nice she is and like i think mm-hmm. she's a really like she tries to be really friendly yeah. and helpful but i was yeah. like what are you doing like i don't think he would have done that if, if it was a man like a man press secretary mm-hmm. so yeah. well i wonder I too know. like given i don't know jen saki too was like the post trump where the press briefings were pretty aggressive i would say and you know snarky in ways as far as just like they're just all battling it out kind of so i wonder if it was like jen saki was just a perfect kind of transition period because you know by john joe biden's just like very bipartisan all the way and like maybe he's like okay maybe jen saki can like transition us out of that trumpian era with all of his crazy press secretaries and then now like we have someone who can like make things normal again make things more level-headed totally. like you know it's just interesting to think about totally those yeah. dynamics but absolutely i'm also curious too um if so has joe biden ever come in when you're there or does that even happen like it does ha- like that's a thing presidents obviously you guys i'm sure know that like presidents do sometimes go to the briefing things like trump did during covid i just like i think i have like war flashbacks from covid i wasn't even there i'm like oh my god like <laughs> no so we were all dramatic. watching it for the first yeah. time like everyone watched press briefings in the white house like <laughs> yeah. every day but yeah I, like now i don't know if he's been to one that i can think of definitely not while i've been there like in person there for a briefing they did have oh uh, dr fauci i missed this but dr fauci was there a few weeks ago for retire like his retirement he's but retiring. no I know. Isn't that crazy? Go rest. I know. Literally. Literally. Like, enjoy your life, dude. (laughs) Seriously. That is just the exhaustion. But also, he he hits me as one of those people that just – he will be running in his grave. Like, absolutely. But he's just, like, dealt with so much bullshit. And I feel – I've always felt so bad for him. And he's like, why are people threatening my literal wife? Like, I'm just a doctor. Help. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, I also had a question, too. Do you ever go to the White House for events? Like, like today he's signing, like, the marriage equality bill. Like, do you ever do stuff like that as well and report on those events? Yes. So, though, this one, I believe he signed outside – I don't know. I mean, it looks like the event was outside. Yeah. Yeah. But typically, like a lot of those events are inside, like in one of the state rooms, something, some sort mm-hmm. of important setting. And space is a major problem. So it is harder to get credentialed for those events. So, like, you can have your press pass and everything, but still not necessarily get like a specific credential to an event like that. You have to like submit in time. For them to like go through everybody so i have not actually like been there just because i'm in school and everything i haven't been there regularly enough to like try and make it to one of those i did try to make it to the, the medal the freedom medal what was it the one that medal of honor is that a thing <laughs> it's like oh, i can't think of the name i yeah oh oh the president the one medal recently freedom. The medal yeah was freedom. it the one recently where they didn't shake like mcconnell's hand it was that one no that was 
that yeah. is a different metal but I forget the name of that. <laughs> there were so many medals. This one was in like like July or August, I think. And I there wasn't space, so I couldn't go to that one, which was really sad. But like, mm. hopefully over the summer when I'm there like a little more regularly again, I'll be able to get to one of those. But like today would have been a perfect op- perfect opportunity because outside there's typically not space issues. So yeah, true. <sighs> I was super so. curious, like what the difference is were between sort of like a signing moment and its own sort of press, I guess, vibe that it has yeah. versus press briefing, I guess, like event versus like regular, yeah, regularly occurring event or whatever. But yeah, I am also curious in terms of like, okay, you're saying that people are credentialed. Has anyone ever gotten their credentials knocked? Like, could you get kicked out of the press briefing room? You... It is actually really difficult to remove, like if you have a hard pass, like the permanent one, Yeah, that is incredibly difficult to take away. I mean, you can have it taken away. I forget what's the, oh, Jim Acosta during Trump got his taken away. I don't know if you guys remember that, but like. Now that you say that, it's like coming Mm -hmm. back to me. Yeah. And that, like, that is just really unheard of because you go through like vetting, you have to go like meet with the secret service to get it so the fact that it was taken away that was wild I'm sure with like day-to-day passes like it's probably a little more normal to have them taken away but like yeah I the only time I've heard of a hard pass taken away was that time mm-hmm. um I don't know what happened like there's things that happen like that are more low-key it's not like a national correspondent it's like somebody yeah. behind the scenes but yeah, yeah it's wild <laughs> so wild well, such an interesting role, truly. Can you also, like, as we wrap up, kind of tell people too, like, how you show this work on TikTok, like, where they can find you and, like, what yes. your content there is like? Because I think it's so totally. interesting for people. Yeah. So my at on TikTok is M with the pink bedroom <laughs> because. <laughs> When I lived at home, my bedroom was hot pink. And then I started making TikToks more seriously and I just kept the name. So that's where you can find me. My videos, I like, I do a mix of stuff, I'd say. My favorite thing to do is stay in the life of a White House correspondent. I just like will film everything that I do in a day, put it into a video and voice it over. I also will do, if there's an event at the White House, like I just went to see the Christmas decorations I guess it was like right after Thanksgiving. It was so much fun. So that I just did kind of like a tour of what was inside, what it looked like rather than like, I mean, I also did a day in life, but I did that as well. So yeah, it's just kind of that sort of thing. I also have some law school content on there. There are any law student listeners. And yeah, but my goal is just really to let people into the White House and see what it's like, because I feel like a lot of correspondents they are obviously focused on giving the news which Mm -hmm. I am too but I also want it to be accessible to people because you cannot get behind something that you don't understand or be a proponent of it and with the state of the world right now in our country I just think that that is one thing that we can do to teach people civics a little bit more it's just to know what's going on in one of your most important governmental buildings so Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, it's so cool to like give that access and that behind the scenes. Like I've never seen that. And especially given that like the people who do, who you think of that do the work you do, like are the Peter Ducey's of Fox and CNN. And like you see that work and that seems so 
out of reach, out of touch as far as like day to day. But to see, you know, that access from your point, like especially someone so young doing the work, it's, I think, really cool for people to see. So thank you for sharing your world with us. Is there anywhere else people can find you? Anything else you want to plug? Yeah, we're also so I'm on Instagram at ebarcan. And also we so I direct a program for students to help teach them how to become political correspondents. So they write articles for our news organization, which is called AKSM News. And I think you can go to, I think it's AKSMmedia.com if you want to see like anything that I have written. That's where I'll post articles. That's where they post articles. Yeah, there's a lot of news. We try to get it up pretty quickly after things break. And yeah, we're working on trying to get more of a live show going within the next few months so definitely check there yeah cool well we definitely will and thank you so much for chatting with us of course thank you for having me Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description. Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.